could turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And I'm going to read from uh, verse 18 to the end of the chapter. Romans chapter 8 from verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The earnest earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labours with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called, Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? 
as it is written. Your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So read the word of God. Wonderful chapter there. If you'd like to please turn back to Romans chapter 8. Sure, we've read this chapter many times, and it's a a chapter that is very rich in uh, Christian doctrine. For many of us, these verses are verses of great encouragement to us, so much so that um, we wonder, what would we do if that chapter wasn't there? Well, we're thankful that it is there, that God has revealed these wonderful truths to us. And I really want to focus this morning on one verse, and really, well, within that verse, four words. And that verse is verse 30, where it says, Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. And the four words that I want to focus on are those last ones there. These he also glorified. These he also glorified. Well, who are these? Who are the these? Well, they're believers. They're those who have put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who trust him as their saviour. And the whole of verse 30 describes the the journey from the beginning to the end. And this morning I really want us to think about the final destination. When we buy a train ticket, we start from a place and we end up in a place. Our final destination is summed up in these four words. These he also glorified. A final destination. But that destination is, at the same time, the beginning of eternity. And my goal this morning is to remind ourselves of that final blessed state. Why? Because, well, we can get distracted so much in the things of this world. The things that are going on, things that we see in the news, the wars that we see. And we don't really think too much about this. But hopefully this morning we'll be thinking about this. So, let's go right back to the beginning. 
Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. We know that Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And mankind fell. And God made us to have fellowship with him. He made us to enjoy him. To have fellowship with him. To enjoy him forever. But sin entered the world. He made us in the image of himself. But because of the fall. The sin of Adam passed on to all his offspring. And we're here seated here as offspring of Adam and Eve. And we, follow, and we have that fallen nature ourselves. And we're told in Romans 5 verse 12 that death spread to all men because all sinned. And that's why we die. We die because of sin. And that wasn't the original plan, was it? it was the God was to have fellowship with man forever in the Garden of Eden. But we fell. But God did have a plan to save mankind, to redeem mankind. By promising to send a saviour, his son. He promised to do that in the very moments after the fall of Adam. But this plan goes back before even then. <coughs> Ephesians 1 verse 4 tells us that he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Here are a people a multitude that can't be numbered, that God has chosen to redeem. They're called the elect of God. These are the ones who he predestined in verse 30. Now we all know what an election is. Uh, we, we're familiar with that when we vote. <laughs> Some of us, uh, every Five years or so, we have an election to choose our leaders. Well, God chooses a people. And a wonderful chain of events then follows. These people he calls. We have that there in verse 30. There's a point when the believer in the believer's life, when God makes them aware of his word, makes them aware of their sinfulness. And these people he calls. He convicts us of our sin. And he points us to Christ as our saviour. And I'm sure many of us remember that time when God called us. Now every conversion is, is different uh, for some, it happens in, in a very short time, in an instant. For others, it may be a, a gradual realisation that we love God and we trust him. We can't really think of, oh, I don't know when I became a Christian, I just know that I am now. 
while God calls us. And he gives us faith. And that is not us of ourselves. We're told in Ephesians 2 verse 8 that it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. And on the basis of that faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, we're saved. We're, our relationship with God is set right. We're reconciled to him. And that's what verse 30 says as being justified. These he justified. It's a legal declaration that the per, that person belongs to God. The enmity that we once had with him is now removed. There is no longer that separation that we feel with God. But we know God. We're transferred into the kingdom of God, transferred into the kingdom of light. We're said to be in Christ. We're a new creation. We're children of God, adopted. And that state cannot be changed. John 10 verse 28 says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. They very real Change has happened in that person. They have been given spiritual life. God puts a new heart and a new mind into a believer. And again in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 it says that you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. And we rejoice this morning that there are so many of those very people here in this room this morning. If you love and trust in Jesus, you were predestined, you were called, you were justified. Now, if we stop there, that would be an enormous blessing. If that, if we just stopped and that and didn't think of anything else, that would be the most wonderful gift. But that is not the end of it. There's more to come. And that's what I want to remind you of this morning. If we are believers, we haven't reached that final destination yet. These chain of events written here in verse 30 are certain. It's coming back to my train analogy. It's as if we're on the train and we've passed the last but one stop. We know there's just one stop ahead. And, once, and if you're on the train, you can't, you can't get off, can you? You're going to go to that place. And that place is what's described in our four words. These he also glorified and this event is speaking about something that will happen in the future it hasn't happened yet to the greatest degree 
There is a uh, there are the blessings of heaven, but no one has been glorified apart from one, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, hang on. This verse uses the term in the past tense. These he also glorified. It seems to indicate that this glorification has already happened. Well, when Paul was saying these words, he, he said them in a way that you know, these, these events are so certain that he could speak of them as having been already accomplished. We are going to that destination, and it is certain. Well, let's talk first about the glorification of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. If we look at what happened to him, then we'll understand what will happen to believers. Jesus took our sins when he went to the cross. Isaiah 53 tells us that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. On that cross he took our sins. And he gives us his righteousness. He was crucified and put to death. Taken by lawless hands, but God raised him up. And we're told in Acts chapter 2, in that great sermon uh, of Peter, where Peter says, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. The resurrection. If we commit a crime, a judge gives us a sentence. If we serve that sentence, then we go free. People talk about uh, having, you know, people doing their time, uh, paying our debts to society. But when that debt is paid, the law no longer has any claim on us. If we get a fine and we pay it, that's the end of the matter. And Jesus, when he died on the cross, when he suffered the wrath of God on account of sin, so satisfied God's justice that the death itself, the wages of sin, that sentence, no longer had any claim on him. So he rose from the dead. Bible says it was not possible that he should be held by it. And the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is so very important. If it didn't happen, then we would have no message today. We might as well all go home. Paul himself said our preaching would be empty. And your faith is also Empty, and if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. There'd be no point at all in us 
being here this morning. But Paul says and goes on, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And when he says fallen asleep, he means those who have died. For since by man came death, he's talking about Adam and the fall, by man, and he's talking about the second Adam, Jesus, also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. And this is so very important for us to understand as we think of these four words. These will be glorified. Jesus died and rose again as a man. He was fully God, fully man. Man is both body and soul. We exist as both physical body and as spiritual body. Where do I get that? We get that from Genesis chapter 1, when God made man. It says there, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. The breath of life. That's our soul. We are dust, but we're also, we also have a soul. Because of the fall, that body has become corrupted. And theologians talk about the total depravity of man. Not that we can be, we are always the worst that we can be. And not everyone is going around uh, being as bad as Adolf Hitler or Stalin. But what they meant was that every part of us, every uh, aspect of man is being affected by sin. Totally. Our desires, our wishes, our motives way we live our lives, what we think is important, what we think is true and what we think is false. It's all being affected by sin. Jesus, on the, other, on the other hand, was sinless. And when he, he died, he yielded up his spirit because he came into the world as a man. We're told in Matthew 27 verse 50. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. But not long after, he rose again. That body and that soul came together. And we know from the gospel accounts that he appeared before Many people remember how Thomas doubted. He said, didn't he? Unless I see his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the, the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, 
I will not believe. He couldn't believe what was what had happened, what they were saying, that Jesus had rose. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside. And Thomas with them, Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. And he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here, and look at my hands, and reach your hand here. And put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. The body of Jesus was raised up. And it wasn't some sort of avatar. I don't know if... uh, You've heard of this word avatar, but it's sort of like a, it's not something physical. It's often used in terms of, you know, computers and things like that. An image. It's not really real. Thomas wasn't seeing an avatar. He was seeing, he could feel his flesh. He felt his side. Jesus was resurrected from the, from the dead. We can say, maybe say a few things that are different about the resurrected body of Christ. The grave clothes that Jesus was buried in were left whole. It appeared as though the body had passed straight through them. And when Jesus showed himself to, to the disciples here and to Thomas in particular, we're told the doors were shut. He was able to appear before them. And if we are believers, our bodies will one day be raised in a similar way when we are glorified in the future. And the resurrection of Jesus is here described as a first fruit. His resurrection sets a pattern, a wonderful pattern. If you, uh, people at Tesco's, when they, they, they order apples from a particular orchard every year, and they, they go to the orchard and they, there's hundreds of trees there. They don't, pick every, they don't try every single one, do they? They just, they just go up to, up to a tree, pick off, pick off the, the first fruit maybe. They try that. And if that one's fine, yes. You know, there, was a, there was an advert years ago. The, the man from Del Monte, he says yes or something like that. You know, you try an apple... The first fruit, he knew that all the rest of that orchard would be just the same um, in taste and flavour. And that's the same for the believer. It's like the Lord Jesus is a, is a template. You know, just to use another illustration, some of you may be bakers and you, you, you make the dough and you put that, you have a template with a shape. You use the template and you create 
shapes, all the, they're all the same shape. The resurrection of Jesus sets a pattern. And our resurrection will be in like manner. Not that we become divine in any way. But in our humanity, we will be like Christ. And this is what God's will is for us. That we're like his son. Romans 8 verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus is the perfect man. And so we will be perfect men and women. Bringing glory to God by bearing his image. Man will be redeemed. Not only to be restored in the image of God, but more importantly in the image of his son, Jesus Christ. The apostle describes this event. He compares our earthly bodies with the splendour of the heavenly resurrected bodies now the resurrected glorified body of Jesus was raised not long after he died just three days but for us as believers we must wait a while our bodies are sinful bodies when they die, they go into the grave. The curse causes our bodies to decay when we die. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And when we die, we go to be with the Lord. Now it's not a, a, a time when we're asleep or anything like that, that's think that's what the Jehovah's Witnesses teach. We do not believe in a soul sleep. We will be very much aware, conscious of, our, of being with Christ in his presence. This is exactly what, the, what Paul the Apostle expected as he wrote to the Philippians. And he was thinking ahead to that time when he would himself die. And he says, for me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But he was also thinking about all the things that he could do if he continued to live. He thought about all the good things that he could do. And he was torn between serving God in this world and being with God in heaven. And he says, but if I live on in the flesh... This will mean fruit from my labour. Yet what shall I choose I cannot tell. For I am hard pressed between the two. Having a desire to depart and be with Christ. Which is far better. Nevertheless to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. He knew he would be consciously present with God. Which is far better. And what did 
that man who was uh, crucified with Christ, that thief on the cross, what did he say? Well, Lord, he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. All the saints that have died in Christ are with him presently and consciously. But they are there in spirit only. These saints are in heaven. But they do not yet have those resurrection bodies like the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this doesn't mean that they're, they're not blessed. In fact, they are very much blessed. Heaven is a place of eternal rest. Presence with Christ. And you can't be more blessed than to be in the presence of God himself. We're told in Revelation chapter 14, verse 13. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labours and their works follow them. But as I said before, there is still more to come. And theologians call this state the intermediate state. Now an intermediate state is that state between two others. We're not here in this world. We're not here in the this sinful world. And yet we have not yet entered the final destination. That eternal state where our bodies are resurrected. And there is a new heavens and a new earth. Our bodies will one day be like our saviours. Our earthly bodies. Again, Paul, the apostle, compares that body to being like seed that is sown in the ground. The body is sown when we're buried in, in, in corruption. But what does he say? It is raised in incorruption. Now we know all too well that our bodies are getting older. Physically, uh, physically, you're at your peak. At, I think it's around 25. Now, some of you are still going up the hill, so to speak, to that age. You're still you're getting stronger physically. The rest of us, I'm afraid, we're we're, we're over the hill. We're gradually getting weaker and weaker. But the resurrection body, it is raised in incorruption. It cannot age, it cannot wear out. It's a body that will be suitable for eternity. Paul goes on to say it is sown in dishonour. It is raised in glory. In this world, the flesh... Wars against the spirit. 
And often it uh, has victory, doesn't it? Because we're so weak. But it is raised in glory because we're in Christ. We won't be able to sin. I think that's one of the most uh, wonderful things. We often think of our weakness and our sins and oh, how we wish that we didn't sin. But in this resurrected body we will not be able to sin. All our faculties, all our, our intellects, our physical attributes, they will all serve God in righteousness. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. And again, we're so very aware of our weakness. We, when we, we want to talk to people about the Lord Jesus Christ and we find it so difficult. And we, we look around in the world and we see how weak maybe the church seems to be. But these bodies are raised in power. Every day we're reminded that the good we want to do, we, we often don't do. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But this body, sown in weakness, will be raised in power. It will be perfectly in tune with our spirit. Able to worship worship God for eternity. And when will this happen? And this is the final thing I want us to think about this morning. When will these... uh, the, well, when will these people be glorified believers be glorified we are here in the world the saints that have died are with the Lord their bodies have returned to dust but what triggers those last four words of verse 30 well it's the return of the Lord Jesus Christ one Thessalonians 4 tells us all the details. I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. So those who have died will be brought with him at his return. And Paul goes on in 1 Thessalonians 4. He continues. He says, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. So when he returns, there will be some... There'll be Christians, there'll be believers who are alive at that time. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain 
shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. And they are comforting words, aren't they? Jesus returns. Those who have died will rise and they'll join those who are living at that time. As Jesus descends, his people will ascend. Um, the normal laws of gravity, I think, will be suspended. And we will rise up in the air. I'm thinking that is probably refers to the, as the sky above us. It will be accompanied by a great shout with the sound of a trumpet. And these events here are also described in 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul again describes these events here. He says, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet, there's that trumpet again, referred to earlier. The trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, incorruptible, together with those who remain alive at that time. And we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. And Paul gives us an outline of the events there. Now I know there are um, different views on the second coming. Uh, some of you might want to put in a, a millennial kingdom or something like that in there somewhere. Um, I think I'm going to remain a pan-millennial. Was it pan-millennialist? It'll all pan out just right. But here is what, what the Paul, the Apostle, says to us will happen. That day when mortal will put on immortality will be made like Christ what a momentous event that will be he is our final destination the beginning of the age to come these he also glorified Romans 8 what a what a wonderful chapter and this is what the whole cosmos is waiting for we're told the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God, all made in the image of Christ. The hope of the creation itself, everything that we see around us, its hope is in the revealing of the sons of God. It's not just stop oil or anything like that 
is the glorification of all the saints. Well, to, to finish, what, what about, how is it with you? Are you one of those believers? Are you on the train that's going to the final des- destination? I hope and pray that you are. And if you're not, then you can just uh, cry out to God and ask him to forgive you your sins. You can put your trust in him and have that confidence that at the cross he bore your sins. And then that great work of sanctification where it works in you day by day, conforming you to the image of Christ. And then one day we will all in an instant In the twinkling of an eye, we will all be changed. Changed into uh, an image in the body of Christ, able to serve him for eternity.